Hey, want to learn about the latest trends in digital marketing? In today's connected world, information is plentiful and always changing. It's difficult to keep up. Each week, we bring you the latest digital marketing news in easy, digestible format. Say goodbye to hours of research and learn everything you need to know right here. You are listening to This Week in Marketing. Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 69 of the Twim Show. This is your host Sajid Islam and today I'll be going over the notable news and updates in the digital marketing space from the week of August 9, 2021. Today, first off, we have an update from Instagram. So Instagram this week has rolled out uh, some privacy feature features that you should be aware of. Uh, the first one was that uh, the ability for people to limit comments uh, and DM requests during spikes of increased attention. Uh, the second one is stronger warnings when people try to post potenti- potentially offensive comments. And the three, third thing is the global rollout of hidden words feature, which allows people to filter abusive DM requests. All in all, uh, Instagram is claiming that uh, Instagram, as in uh, Instagram CEO Adam Mosseri, is claiming that it is their obligation and duty to uh, keep the platforms and users safe. I somewhat agree with him. However, at the same time, I don't like the first update, the ability to, for people to limit comments and DM requests during spikes of increased tension because it's a double-edged sword. Imagine if your video were to go viral and a lot of people are commenting, it's going to be like in a throttle down. And as a result, you will not get that exposure that you were really looking for. I hope they figure out a sweet spot. But with that, let's move on to the next one, which is from Facebook. And Facebook is uh, launching their first ever Buy Black Summit. They want to support black uh, business owners because they have been hit very hard during this pandemic uh, as if no one else has gotten hit hard. I mean, you know, after all, you know, there are other ethnic or other minorities here in the states as well but facebook decided to do black buy black business buy black summit uh, i'm gonna go ahead and put the link to that summit in our page so if you want to sign up please go by all means sign up but you know again i think you know every time i see that you know there is again being a minority myself i usually do not like this kind of um, events i feel like you know what we should be having is just a general level the plan level the playing field i would be very uh uncomfortable even if they were to do a buy asian or a buy indian summit but you know that's just me because we all have been affected some way shape and form there are many business owners that's why anyway next up is facebook uh facebook has announced new privacy focused approach to advertising this is a boatload i mean you know there is so much to cover basically it all boils boils down to three things facebook had realized that apple's uh app tracking uh app transparency tracking uh is there it's going to be here to stay and they're taking a big hit for that so they have to figure out a game plan you know they cannot just live on it uh and stay on it and things like that so they're rolling out uh three things number one is they're calling it a sim uh, secure multi-party computation you really should be list uh, reading this thing on our uh show notes page but in short what show uh, secure multi-party competition is allowing does it allows two or more organizations in which case first is facebook and the second party is the advertiser itself uh, they will have separate data right they will not have no one party will have all the data and that data is going to be encrypted what 
in transit at rest and things like that so you don't need to know all those technical details of how the data is going to be encrypted uh, in this day and age it is actually a best practice to encrypt all the data uh, whether in, in transit or at rest but what's really interesting and I la- what's in really interesting and what I think is this is where uh, you really need to see uh, behind the veil or try to figure out the meaning and which is why I believe you are listening to the Twim Show podcast is because Facebook is saying the secure multi-party competition, which is uh, MPC, uh, allows two or more organizations to work together while limiting the information that either party can learn. MPC is useful for enhancing privacy while calculating outcomes from more than one party, such as reporting the results of an ad campaign or training a machine learning model with the data is held by two or more parties. Today, this type of reporting requires at least one party to learn which specific people made a purchase after seeing a specific ad. With MPC, say one party has information about who saw an ad and another party has information on who makes a purchase. MPC and encryption makes it possible for both parties to learn insights about how an ad is performing without the need to entrust a single party with both data sets. Last year, they began testing a solution called Private Leaf Measurement, which uses MPC to help advertisers understand performance. Now, at a high level, this sounds great, but I dug a little bit deeper because they had a link and they took us took, that took me to a page where they really uh, showed me how MPC works. All in all, I'm not a big fan of it. Because even if you use MPC, you are going to send the data over to Facebook and Facebook will always have all the data, right? You as an advertiser, we will not have all the data. The other thing that Facebook doesn't talk about, and I believe this is where they're leading into, is Facebook is basically creating this thing as a way for Facebook Pay. So what's going to happen is say you're selling on Facebook or Instagram and you're going to use Facebook Pay you will never see the, all the details. And they're going to show the data to you as uh, aggregate with averages. So you will always be seeing, you know, here's the campaign, here's the average purchase price, which is really not a great idea because you could have 10 people buying $1,000 products or overall their purchase size is uh, average card value is 1000 or 10 people could buy like $1,000 each and then, you know, the rest 20 people are buying $100 each and you would be getting the average and you would never know really the data. So this is a Facebook's way of, again, hiding the data more and more so that you are only playing with average. Now, if you ask me, average sucks, right? Average sucks, but Facebook is pushing this and I think a lot of people are going to probably jump on it. But if you are smart... I mean, you know, if you have to advertise on Facebook, you advertise on Facebook. What can you do, right? That's the law of the land and you deal with it. Anyway, the next update they have is on-device learning, uh, which is trains an algorithm to form insights processed right on our devices without sending individual data as an item, such as an item purchase on or our email address to remote server or cloud. I really do not know how this is going to work, but this is all, uh, you know, really, I think this on-device learning is a very... Uh, uh, it's a very aspirational for Facebook. Again, at the same time, if they could do on-device learning and process a lot of the information sent back to Facebook, they would probably need a lot less uh, computational power on, our, on their end. Although I doubt that would be the case for which they're doing. The third thing they're talking about is differential privacy. It's a technique that can be used uh, on its own or applied to other privacy-enhancing technique te- technologies to protect data from being re-identified. I mean, what they're saying is basically with all the data 
that they collect, they will add a carefully calculated noise. So, for example, if 118 people bought a product after clicking an ad, a differentially private system would add or subtract a random amount from that number. So, instead of seeing 118, uh, they would either see 120 or 114. So, you would never really know which one is the right number. Now, if you've been following this and you know this goes against the whole premise of why digital marketing rocks. Digital marketing rocks because I could say I spent $100. These are the five customers came from this ad and here are my sales. Now, if Facebook is injecting, intentionally injecting like, you know, uh, how would I say, noise as they're calling it, right? In uh, Removing, increasing, inflating the number or deflating the number. Well, we already have this problem, and that's why we said Facebook's algorithm, Facebook's analytics sucks. Hello, Facebook, have you been listening? And now they're doing it and saying, you know what, we are going to inject all this noise so that you never get the right data, so you got to keep guessing and you got to keep spending money on our platform. That's what it's all coming down to. Anyway, uh, that's all from Facebook. Uh, with that, let's move on to the next one, which is from LinkedIn. Very short one is that like now video calling on LinkedIn is a reality. Yes, you can actually message anyone and call people. So now making interviews. Uh, you no longer have to get on a Zoom, no longer have to do all those things, just do it within an app. With that, uh, next up is Google, uh, Google Search Console, again, Google Organic. Uh, Google's John Mueller has confirmed that Google Search Console does not filter out all the bot traffic, so sometimes you will see queries and traffic from the bots. Why they do it, I do not know. Google already know who the bots are. They could easily filter it out. They do it at the Google Analytics level, but they don't do it at Google Search Console. So Google Search Console, uh, something you just have to know and do that little bit of math to subtract things and you know figure out which one are the bot traffics. That's all. Next up, Google's ad attribution models now support YouTube and display model. Like now, what is attribution? Attribution is a common issue for search marketers and continues to be muddied as more of the web focuses on privacy, right? Attribution is basically the ability to model uh, our visitors or users' journey through the web and figuring out which ad should get the credit for the sale. In contrast to what Facebook is doing, Facebook is like, you know, trying to hide everything up uh, and put everything under average. Google's like attribution model basically shows, okay, here is the ad. The user saw this ad, went to the Google, searched this, did this, did this, did this, and then they eventually they converted here. So you see the whole life journey. And as a result, what you can say is like, you know what, hmm. My ads, even though, you know, someone sees my YouTube ads, but they don't really convert until they go to my, you know, web page. And you need to figure out where your traffic is coming because if you know, if people are finding out, being aware of your brand on a YouTube page, you want to spend more money on YouTube because that's working, right? Rather than saying, oh, everyone comes to my homepage and everyone buys from it. So let me spend more money on my uh, homepage because you see how the data is different. So attribution. So anyway. Uh, so now what YouTube, uh, Google Ads is doing is now supporting YouTube and display ads. Uh, so all these data-driven models are going to be in uh, the uh, uh, attribution window. Uh, you can go check it out. Uh, you don't really have to do anything about that. But if you are not something, someone who is not looking into attribution, then you should definitely look at it because, you know, user journey mapping does is very insightful. Okay. On the same notes, uh, YouTube has updated um, 
you know, not, not on the same note, but in a different note, YouTube has updated basically uh, new settings uh, for kids. The main things you should want to know is like, you know, when ch- uh, kids uh, or users between the age of 13 to 17 upload their video, by default, uh, it will be set to a very most secure private option. The most private option will become, by default, will be set. Of course, kids can mitigate this default by going and changing it by themselves. Um, they're trying to tackle overuse with the addition of take a break and bedtime reminders so that, you know, children between the age of 13 and 17 don't stay up all night long and, you know, use YouTube all night long. It's like your TV manufacturer saying, you know, hey, the TV, hey, kiddo, you're 15 and you've been watching it's midnight and go, let me turn off your TV. I don't know. I find I like what they're trying to do, but at the same time, I don't like it because, you know, they're doing basically this whole this censorship or big brother type of thing. Let them do it. Let the parents figure it out. If they're between the age of 13 and 17, the parents are there. That's the reason, right? Why should you do it? The TV companies don't do that. The car companies don't say, yeah, hey, you are 13 years old and you're driving around. Let me shut off the car or go home, go home, go home. Anyway, that's just me. But in what could be a big blow for big kid influencers, YouTube is actually re- removing more and more commercial content from YouTube kids. Uh, what they're saying is they're not going to allow paid product placements. Uh, if they have any videos that with overly, over, overly talking about a product, they're going to take it down, things like that. This actually, you know, basically... Uh, Targets people like Ryan Kazi. Uh, again, if you do not know him, he made $29.5 million in 2020. He's a kiddo. He's, I think, 13 or 14 years old. And yes, he made about $30 million in 2020 from his videos. I know. And my kids, my children used to watch his video all the time. And I will tell you, all he was doing is promoting all the different products like McDonald's. That's how my ch- child, my son, learned McDonald's. We don't eat at McDonald's, but he learned about McDonald's through watching Ryan's video. And if... If YouTube takes him down, I think that's going to be a good thing. I'm not going to be hurt. Because oh, my, I think, you know, he all he did was pro- pushed uh, products through my, my, all these products, sponsorships that he, he had. But anyway, uh, that's all you needed to know about YouTube changes that are happening. Uh, so again, there are a lot of other things that are happening. If you're targeting children or kids between the age of 13 to 17, there are some restrictions as well. Be careful. And let's move on to the next one. And the next one, what we have is Google Ads Editor has rolled out new features. Uh, the new features are lead form extensions, hotel ads, and more. If you're not sure what Google Ads Editor is, it is basically a tool that allows advertisers to make changes in bulk, making it easy to make optimizations and edits across multiple keywords, ads, ad groups, or campaigns easily and seamlessly. It's not something that you use from the Google Ads dashboard or the UI, uh, but this is actually a program that in, you install on your computer and you run it and you make changes offline and then you can, when you're ready to make publish it, you can publish it all in one go into the Google's ad system. It's a great thing. Uh, so the major changes are, again, like I said, lead form extensions. Uh, previously, it was only accessible through the UI. Uh, now you can actually work on leads form extensions through Google Ads Editor, uh, YouTube Ads, uh, which was released in YouTube audio ads, which was released in 2020 and was previously only available directly from the UI. And now audio ads can be set up through Google Ads Editor. And hotel ads, uh, users can now use Google Ads Editor to manage hotel ads, which are basically feeds uh, ads that help hotel advertisers promote prices and availabilities of the properties on any given day. 
Okay, uh, that's it. With that, uh, the other thing you want to know, want to you should know about is that Google provides more transparency of a custom bidding process in Google Ads 360. Google Ads 360 is basically Google's enterprise ads product solution. Most people I know and most people who are listening to this will not be using Google Ads, but I wanted to touch it because I have a feeling that this is something that's going to come down the pipeline to the regular Google Ads, uh, which is uh, what we all are using, right? Uh, But basically what they're saying is that uh, Google Ads... um, Automated building strategy, advertisers allowing is allowing advertisers to assign a conversion value or a purchase thing. Google system can then optimize from within its system. Uh, it's a good way to maximize campaign performance uh, and to meet. And a lot of people were not using it uh, to add it. Google is now adding floodlight activities, which are cre- pre-created HTML code snippets that can be used to track conversions. So all in all, what she's saying is that if you are using Google Ads 360 and automated bidding system to help you uh, get more sales and have Google's machine learning algorithms uh, learn more, uh, get better insights, uh, they're going to help you put, they're going to give you some HTML code, you put it on your sites, and then they're going to get more data around it. That's all. Okay, next up and the last one of this week is that Google has now launched a new requirements for Google Post, uh, Google Podcast before they will recommend your podcast. And this is a, something, an email I also received from them this week. Uh, but basically, be, uh, beginning September 21, there are going to be a few requirements uh, before your show or podcast can be shown as a recommendation. Number one is there has to be a valid crawlable image. The image must be accessible to Google. A show description, uh, include a user-friendly show description that accurately describes the show. Uh, the email address is used to ver- verify show ownership. A link to the homepage for this show. Linking your podcast to homepage will help the discovery and presentation of podcasts in Google services and podcast author's name. A name to show in Google Podcasts as the author of the podcast. This does not need to be the same, uh, same as the owner. That's all. Uh, so these are small minor changes, but I thought you should know. Again, this being a podcast show, uh, we are already doing all these things, so we are good. But I wanted you to know just in case you missed that play email, uh, make sure you do this. Alrighty, folks, that's it for this week in marketing. Now you know everything to be in the know. If you'd like to read more, make sure you visit the show, show page where you will find the links to this article. Once again, this is your host, uh, Sajid Islam, signing off. Until next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in this week. It was a pleasure to serve you all. Hit the subscribe button so that you remember to sign on next week. Same place, same time for another round of This Week in Marketing.